Get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, save, retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. Time now for the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Yes, yes. Welcome in. It's Balloon Party, and it's driven by Munganess, St. Louis Acura, and Munganess, Burkhardt, Alton, Toyota. My name is Timothy Michael McKernan. That's Jackson Bennett Burkett. And Jackson has strategically placed a picture of Sidney Sweeney in a bikini above him. That's what was up there right before. What's going on? What are is you it, doing? Is it the anyone but you it uh, is. promo? I've heard good things. I love that that's up in the studio here. Yeah. Nice, nice job. I wonder who made that request. Well, I mean, it's been known. I've I was real early on the Sydney Sweeney train. I want that out there. But you were ahead of the curve on her. Well, I saw her in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, and I was like, "Oh, she's outstanding." She was in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. She was one of the Manson family. People. Is that right? And Austin Butler was Tex, who then played Elvis and is all over the place. Yeah, man. You know your stuff when it comes to film, sir. Thank you. You really do. Yeah. And that's why I invested in goodorbad.com yeah. low so many years ago. Still waiting for a monetization strategy. You can participate in today's program. Air Comfort Service text line 314-399-9646. And you can participate in the YouTube chat. Uh, that's YouTube uh, and uh, the 101 ESPN channel. And uh, talk it over in there and, and see, what's, see what's doing. Because my guess is the Balloon Party Mafia is active. Let me open this thing up and see what's doing in this YouTube chat. Because, yeah, they are. Uh, let's see what we got. Uh, Tim looks snazzy today. It's Nathan Rogers. Thank Couldn't you. agree more. You like this get up? When you walked in to TMA today. Did I catch your eye and make you question your interest in your new friend? <laughs> uh, no, I was, I'm solidified in that regard. However, I can't acknowledge a well-dressed man. And when you walked in today, you had your overcoat on. Uh, and also your your kind of driving cap, as I always called it. That was kind of anti-Irish right there. I caught that. <laughs> driving? Yeah. <laughs> but I, well, what I was going to compare you to, I felt might have been anti-Irish. But you kind of looked, you had a little Tommy Shelby look to you. Your your guy, Killian Murphy, who yeah. you acknowledge you would go on a date with. Uh, just to pick his brain about his work. Okay. Yeah, it would be totally platonic. I'm starting to feel like our relationship might be changing here. Oh, Are you interested in older married father of two? That's yeah. That's swipe right, baby. Yeah, that's hot. Is that swipe a good left? one? Swiping I care, right. I can't remember. Look at you. Look at that. That's, to, that's total <laughs> BS. No, I know. And I it's know. Like, oh, maybe she's listening. No, no, no. I didn't mean to. I, I literally, I just, I'm bad with. I that. actually really don't know. Right. I think it. I've been with the same last for 16 years, and it predates left. Tinder and Bumble and Hinge and what else? Those are the, that's the big three. Yeah, but what's the one for the rich people like uh, me? That's me. That's where I am. That's where you can catch me. <laughs> right. You have to like apply. Yeah. Uh, swipe left, I'm thinking. Swipe left. Got it. Swipe left, good. Uh, yeah, let me know if you want to swipe left on me today. And you can uh, do that in the YouTube chat or Air Comfort Service text line. Jackson has prepared a wonderful banquet of questions for Balloon Party today. And it's called the Thursday Thoroughfare. Ladies and gentlemen, I produce Jackson Bennett Burkett. Hello, everybody. A little, little, little slow on the... Well, the question... What's going on over there? I just want Is this to, like an audio thing? Is well, it like yeah. audio daily double? Well, I wanted to... 
I wanted to get the audio in case it was asked for because the first question I have is oh. about last night's Blues game. I was lost, watching. The loss to the Oilers in overtime. Connor Are you McDavid. watching? That's a no for well, the audience who might have thought. Watching is so like, so I'm always watching, but maybe I'm not viewing. And I think there's a clear distinction there. But no, I did That's not see like the game last night. Wesley Snipe and Woody Harrelson discuss whether or not you can listen to Jimi Hendrix or hear exactly. that's a Jimi perfect, Hendrix perfect and White Men Can't Jump. I think that's 1992 and Rosie Perez was on the run from the Stookie Brothers. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think that was uh, 92 and then oh, 89. You don't have to worry. You don't have to look it up. In 89 and do the right thing. She opens up the movie doing like the whole dance thing. What about the Stookie Brothers? Oh yeah. You got to, that's a, that's why Woody Harrelson was out there hustling. That's right. You're damn right. The Stookies. So you, you want to play a segment from White Men Can't Jump? It's timely. <laughs> I would, I'm always down to talk White Men Can't Jump, but I, I do have the call from Curbs last got night it. to end the game. Dropped it back. Dacom. Now to McDavid. Around Thomas. Drags it in. McDavid shoots, save, and score. It floats off of Bennington, and the Oilers score with 25 seconds to go. They win in overtime. Blues get a big point. Bennington thought he had that one, Mike, but it floated past him, and... There's Connor McDavid with just another ho-hum three-point game for you. Yeah, you know, uh, first game, uh, first goal for McDavid since February 6th. And in those 11 games, he had 25 assists. Sweet mother of mercy. Mm. Um, and a uh, three-point game, as you heard Chris Kerber make reference to last night. Blues get burned on the second goal after taking a 2 nothing lead. On a change and just uh, an unfortunate set of circumstances there. The fact that, candidly, if you would have told me they were going to get a point after that had happened uh, going into the third period, I would have never believed you. So rarely do I uh, go, oh, well, they lost a game. That's good or good effort. But that really was the theme. Uh, listening to Kerber's podcast this morning and watching the game last night, considering what they had, and by that I mean trip to Winnipeg, great team, trip to Edmonton, great er team, perhaps, I don't know, maybe maybe the Oilers and Jets are on the same page, certainly two different types of teams, but either way, in 24 hours, road trip, you get to Edmonton late, you got to go against that group, well-rested, and you come out, and what their, what their issue has been is a slow start, and you come out and get a 2 nothing lead, you hate to blow it, but the fact that they were able to withstand uh, the third period and have some great opportunities. Uh, I know Robert Thomas shorthanded. He'd love to have that one back, but at the same time, in a way, you tip your cap to uh, Nugent Hopkins for the play. But either way, Blues had opportunities. When that thing went to overtime, my wife and I were watching it, and I said, there is no way that this thing goes to penalties. There's just no way, because with the caliber of offense that Edmonton has, either they're going to score or the Blues are going to capitalize on one of their many attempts and have one of those textbook overtime, you know, rushes and whether it be Cairo or Thomas, somebody's going to buzz on in and uh, win it for the Blues. And unfortunately, in this case, it was a sick couple of moves by McDavid. I mean, he beats Thomas, Cairo, Bennington. I mean, the Blues had their best there, and he just beat him, and the, and the goal was, unfortunately, you know, off of Bennington's sweater. So they pick up a point. Uh, it was one of the games in hand they had on Nashville, so now they're five back of the Predators. And I, I have to tell you, though, as I'm watching that game, I think if the Blues were, like, deadlocked with the Predators and I was a believer, I would have been really irritated when they lost. 
but I'm kind of like, eh. Kind of accepted the faith at this point. Yeah, that's where I am. Yeah. Tough not to. I know, and I and I hate that. Right. But in a weird way, I kind of want to see them sell, and so therefore, it the the greater the distance between them and a playoff spot, in this case, the Predators, then perhaps the more likely they are to make the move. At the same time, honestly, I don't think Doug Armstrong's decision was going to be swayed by what they did last night in Edmonton. If anything, they played a really good game. I mean, my God, that team that that was out there last night against the Oilers was a totally different team than the one that was out there against the Red Wings to open up the trip. But, you know, considering that they have one home game, and it's a big home game, Central Division, against the Wild on 5 at 5 o'clock on Saturday, pregame 4 p.m. here on 101 ESPN, and then go back out on the road for a long road trip on the East Coast. Um, I just, I think Doug Armstrong knows what he wants to do, and they keep bringing it up. They were bringing it up last night in the intermission on TNT. Buchnevich just makes all the sense in the world for a team. They went back to talking about Vegas. They talked about Carolina, talked about Edmonton. But Vegas with the cap room, I just don't think he's going to be here a week from Friday. I suppose the only way, I don't want to say the only way, but a scenario in which I could see it is if the Blues went hyper-aggressive mm. and traded Cairo Ooh. and then used that money to sign Buchnevich long-term. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, you follow little, me? Oh, a little, right, little so back room. I like yeah, that. Yeah, like that's, that. that's, the, that's, that's the way I could see it playing out. Uh, and I don't know what the likelihood of, of that being, sure. but that that would be a way in which they go, okay, well, then we're comfortable not trading him now yeah. because we know we're going to have a, a chance to lock him in long term. And if that were, if that move were made, there'd be a little celebration on this balloon party. There would be. That was the, that. And I, like I know that. there'd be a lot of people who'd be angry about it. Yeah. But I just think, you know, if you got an albatross on the payroll, and I know it's weird to call a guy with that kind of skill an albatross, but I just think it's a... It's a deal that you're not going to enjoy paying, and yeah. a deal you're not going to get return on. Sometimes you got to take the chance that he comes into his own somewhere else, and you got to unload that that contract. So I would love to see him do it. And as you heard earlier this week on this show, Jeremy Rutherford thought it was a fifty to sixty percent chance that it was going to happen uh, before his no trade clause kicks in in 2025. So great performance, really, truly great performance. Perhaps the best player on the ice was Jordan Bennington, and, he, and it's a weird thing to say when he gives up three goals, but considering that attack from Edmonton and considering that, I don't know, what you really can put on him as far as, I mean, one was a the, the second goal. The hell, that, there was no, I don't know who's going to stop that situation. McDavid Ooh. coming in with Hyman. Yeah. Um, you know, and then you got an overtime going up against the Oilers and that kind of skill. Getting a point, great accomplishment. Uh, logic would have told you take the Oilers' money line all day long. Yeah. And if you would have been laying uh, a goal, uh, that does not include overtime, so you would have uh, come out on the losing end on that one. So from that standpoint, just isolating it to last night, great performance, macro. I don't think anything changes for Doug Armstrong, and I still think he is in seller mode. And I think a lot of the fan base is at peace with that, too, and thinks it's it's the right move. Your thoughts, please, 314-399-9646. Or you can participate in the YouTube chat, just like Tiny PP, Ryan Crawford, John Scores, AM, James, Jimmy Oswalt, and uh, Preston S1. They're all in there talking it over, Jackson. They're all talking it over. It's part of the Balloon Party Mafia and the YouTube chat where 118 Friends of the Feather have gathered to talk it over on this Thursday thoroughfare on Balloon Party, driven by Monganess, St. Louis Acura, and Monganess Burkhardt, Alton Toyota, 101 ESPN, and the 101 ESPN YouTube channel. 
right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back to Balloon Party 101 ESPN. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you on the program. And uh, you know what, Jackson? I think somebody's called attention to something that, that I need to apologize for. Oh, okay. Now, it's your fault, but because I'm a leader, I'm going to apologize for my mistake that is your fault. Do you follow all this? Right, yeah. And you talk through, you like make sure to vocalize that too. Right, because then it's like genuine and yeah, selfless. Exactly. Precisely. I, you know, this, this program is celebrating its 26 month anniversary tomorrow. No, that's right. Wow. It's been a hell of a 26 months. Yes. Keep looking forward to 26 more. Amen. Uh, and uh, perhaps my favorite texter of them all. And I want to say this I love you all. You're all my favorites. However, not all of you have your name saved. The grape ape. Auto detailing does. And he called his, my attention to this. Damn it, Timmy. Oh, and then he used profanity, which I can't use on this show, but I can use on the Tim McKernan show, and I'm more comfortable with that. Uh, I'll, I'll edit on the fly, Jackson. Damn it, Timmy. Crapping on the text line again, pumping up the YouTube. You're killing me, bro. That is my fault. It is your fault because I've been spending more time talking and reading the comments in the YouTube chat and I need to go back to also reading the Air Comfort Service text line. Those are the people who built Balloon Party. Right, right. We can't abandon them now. Right. And just because now we are fabulous stars of midday one-hour radio shows, we can't look back on our place in... You would name a part of town. I wouldn't do that because to me, all of the towns are equal. But now that we have an estate in Huntley, yes. we can't look back and look down no. on the people who we left behind. Yeah, yeah. You, you got to dance with the person who brought you there. Yeah, I think that was well said. I couldn't agree more. I guess while we're in the mood for apologizing, I, I better issue a oh. statement. Wow. Ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to step away from the microphone as Jackson also has an apology. It's a big apology Thursday here on Balloon Party 101 ESPN. So it was brought to my attention yesterday, Tim, a, a, a sector of the fan base, specifically one that, uh, you know, that is really passionate about the team we call the Dogs, but is uh, more well-known as St. Louis City SC. They were a little upset that in my SportsCenter update, I uh, included the Blues and their loss and their upcoming game last night against the Oilers, and then also uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers defeating the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, the local NBA team. That's right. And uh, I did not include the final score of the City game in which they lost on aggregate to Houston. I had you pinned up against the wall with my finger in your chest after that uh, SportsCenter update. Yeah, and what I'd like to say to that to that sector of the fan base, those who are upset, is you know I couldn't be more sorry about excluding... And a, a four or five second mention of the final score of the Dogs game. One nil. When uh, the game had been over for 
16 hours. Well, I'll so. tell you what, I'm, I'm picking up a little, a little sarcasm. I, and I don't mean Just a little sarcasm, and yeah. I don't appreciate it. Especially yeah. after, once again, I had you pinned up against the wall with my finger in your chest. Yeah, pincer, really. Pincer, yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised. Your hands are as tiny as the day is long. Yeah, Look, but, if you're watching on YouTube, I need two full pans to lift this this tiny little water bottle up. Yeah, but they're quick. That They're like, they're real, they're like scat back hands. They're really put it right in there. Uh, so yeah, I would like to apologize to those people. I will, I will be better. I will take inventory of myself, do some self-reflection and, and learn to be better so I can do better. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And pay no attention to like the eight minute segment we did immediately following. Once again, right there, that was passive aggressive. I don't, I don't mean for it to come off. Where's my lawyer? Uh, I don't mean for it to come off passive aggressive. Jackson Burkett took to Twitter today (laughs) to drop shade on city fans for criticizing his sports center update that's what i would say a if i were writing a story on this a thread, <laughs> a thread some personal news yeah or the, even worse the thread emoji as i'm gonna now oh, wow. now Look, i'm gonna go on the offensive that jackson's on the offensive i think you're on the offensive with that apology if you're gonna do a threat get a blog okay i'm not scrolling down for 18 different tweets either pay whatever elon's charging for the premium thing or get a blog because i'm not i'm not doing the threads anymore i'm out you're out i'm out I'm out. I'm not doing it. I'm not reading. I sometimes find myself reading threads. It's, I don't know. It seems like the prime example of engagement farming. Is that right? Uh, I, you, you, anytime you start going with your engagement farming clickbait thing, you've you've roped me in. I've done a, a new practice. I've done Tim is uh, anytime I see an example of engagement farming, I bookmark it on yes, Twitter. Yes, so you can share it with us. All right, what do we got? Uh, so this is uh, it's a picture of uh, what looks to be a first hole of a golf course in which they have a bunch of tees out there. Okay. And like, as in the tees you put in the ground, or tees. different option tees, like I, of course, teeing off from the tips, right? With my right. distance, despite the pincers, you still, still, you still can, can really ship it. Speed, it's unbelievable. Yeah, no, these are golf tees. One of the boxes is wood tees, the other is plastic tees. The question posed, which tee are you grabbing a handful, plastic or wood? And then someone quote tweeted it. I won't mention the person's name. I cannot believe a single person would pick plastic over wood. That is, that that tweet there. The quote tweet was the engagement farming. Yes, exactly. interesting. Because I thought the the question. I'm like, oh, I just I, the. No, that's that's just that's just being. I guess that is like engagement farming, but it's a much more innocent version of it. This is so purposeful because obviously, like obviously, people I use plastic see. tees. They sell them. They're super popular. They're reusable. Of course, people are using it. And then you make a huge I declarative statement. I'm on board with the wooden tee perspective. Though. I don't get that. Really? You don't get the wooden tee because when you're going to play log cabin, they have the ground softened for you. For a guy like me who just would grab, you right, know, range right, balls and right. go over to Francis Park. Yeah, you're lucky to have grass. And it's 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 just hard dirt <laughs> with tumbleweed. <laughs> and so yeah, it's a wooden tee, so I can drive the ball into, you know, terra firma. But over there, somehow they have Bermuda on the tee boxes at the log where you're playing. Yeah. Usually they don't need a tee. So and, yeah, exactly. So you can use a plastic tee. I, I, I just like the reusable factor. I don't like using a bunch of tees and having to buy a bunch. But obviously this person knows people use plastic tees. And so when they do that, they're making a huge declarative statement like that. That's engagement farming. A prime example of it. Jackson City fans are Dungeons and Dragons playing dweebs. That's from the 618. No, I disagree. I I just wholeheartedly disagree. Even though you made what I thought was a passive-aggressive non-apology apology, you're now going to take the side of those who came after you. Yeah, I mean... 
maybe, but either way, well, no. every fan base has their yes. their wings. Uh, you know, I, I we this this uh, there was a thread on this on the TMA fan page on Facebook. Uh, it's 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 an elite club. Uh, Jackson and I are the moderators, and I think there are some people waiting to get in, yeah. dating back to 2021. 75% of the membership actually belongs to Log Cabin. Yeah, I knew that. And, uh, and then there's some that are at bogey. But right. uh, with this, I saw the post, and and I have to tell you, I can kind of, as a Missouri fan in particular, but I think Blues fans, before the hoisting of the chalice in June of 2019, there's this... And I didn't want to use the the term inferiority complex, but you you love your team, whether it be the Blues or Missouri or in this case now City, so much that you want to see what you perceive to be the mainstream accept your team and talk about your team as much as you want to. Mm-hmm. And so, for what was Blues fans, not anymore though. Um, because I think the Blues have leapt up there with the Cardinals as far as attention in St. Louis. Um, but with Missouri fans, mm-hmm. and now I think with City fans, and probably this goes on with Battlehawks fans as well, uh, you want to you see what you deem equal treatment. And so even though you have a bit of a tradition of bringing up a, a, a New Orleans Pelican score in your Sports Center updates, which on the surface, some consultants might say, man, that sure is stupid. But for you, it's, it's a tradition and it's an homage to Zion. Yeah, I mean, people really do enjoy hoops in this town. And, and, so. and so maybe the casual observer would say, why didn't, why didn't he mention the 1-0 loss in Houston? on Tuesday night. And you just thought, you know what? This 59-foot shot to win it over the Mavericks, this is what I'm going to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, And I have no qualms about it. Like I said, I apologized if I upset people. I'm not apologizing for the act. Like, Interesting. I, I, I Starting stand to sound a little more half-hearted again. Yeah, I, and I can understand how it would come off that way, but that's right. just my nature. I'm really like, to be condescending. Well, I'm I'm really hard to get along with. I'm not. I'm not. I agree with that. Not good, good for you people. for saying it because that's what I've been emailing to management. Yeah, I really I don't like humans. Um, so it's tough. It's tough. Uh, are the Battlehawks fans as whiny as the City fans, though? I personally don't think so, but I would love to hear your opinion. Well, I mean, I understand the question. I respect the. I truly respect the question. I I do because I know that can be a question that. Some may not want to touch or feel like it's implied. I, I, here's, here's the thing. I think there's a larger volume of City fans than Battlehawks fans. Yeah. And I think Battlehawks fans are not necessarily like, man, I sure hope we win the UFL championship this year. It's kind of like, yeah. this is fun to have football. It's, you know, it kind of is what it is, which is a terrible thing to ever say on the radio, and I shouldn't have said it, and I feel badly about it. I feel worse about that than like saying the F word, because mm. it's just such a vapid thing. It is what it is, but I don't think people are like, you know, maybe the Battlehawks will get brought into the NFL if they have a good year. You just kind of know what you got there, and you're playing in that crap building, and you know, it's just amusing to have a, a real football atmosphere, more so than even the final years of the Rams, because you had the, you know, people knitting in the lower bowl. <laughs> And that really did go on. I don't care if you didn't see it. What do you think? I'm making it up? Pesci. <laughs> <laughs> I can get angry on my. I can start arguing with myself. Um, and I just think city fans, some city fans, not all, just want to see city covered like the Blues and Cardinals are. 
And that's, you know, at this moment, not where it is. But Blues fans, 20 years ago, wanted to see the Blues covered like the Cardinals and the Rams were. So having done this now for 25 Hall of Fame years, uh, I see it. And I don't. I don't take any. I mean, I don't take any of it personally. Even though I guess some of it's personal, it doesn't matter. You just you recognize kind of what the psychology is behind it, because Missouri fans I know feel like their team isn't covered enough in St. Louis. And then if someone such as myself does cover it, if the opinions don't necessarily line up with those in their particular bubble, it becomes oh he's anti-Missouri. You see what I'm saying? Right. So you recognize this from doing it for a number of years. It just, in this case, is now it's a new team with a new fan base doing the same stuff that I saw with a different team with a different fan base years ago. Or in the case of Missouri, a couple of years ago, James Carlton, uh, my insurance agent, who sponsored the segment, I'd say, hey, man, listen, I just got to be honest with you. When we do the Missouri segments with Gabe, now this was 2023, mm-hmm. which we were excused, excuse me, two, when the team was kind of whatever. There wasn't a whole lot of engagement. People weren't all that interested. It was apathetic. And I can't blame people for it. It's a middle-of-the-road team that hasn't done anything since 2014. I get it. I'm talking about the football team. But then last year, plenty of people who weren't Missouri fans were like, holy crap, this team's competing for the SEC in, you know, and going up against Georgia and holding their own and beating Ohio State. People were engaged. Fun to so, watch. Yeah. So that's so that that builds momentum. Yep, it's totally. the same thing. that, that you, you can't force people to like something. You can't. So I can talk about how we had Taylor Twelman on. I think we're going to have him on again throughout the course of the season this year. But that's not good. People are going to go, oh, I love him now because I heard them talk about it. Uh, and honestly, I don't know where, I don't know how, how one would feel about it, but I would rather not have somebody talk about something that they don't necessarily know or care about and just kind of doing lip service to. Yeah. Now, I personally find it to be for myself, this is for me, this isn't you know, dropping a shot at you for not loving hockey. We, you know, screw around about that. But, uh, you know, as as part of the job, I'm going to at least be up on what's going on with these teams. Um, But it's easy to do when you grew up here because you've been following them. And so all this stuff isn't necessarily studying so much as I'm just tapping into my memory growing up and watching the teams play as opposed to, uh, you know, if I were working in Houston or something like that, I'd have to go and let me, tap into my rockets knowledge you know um so it's a different set of circumstances but i understand it i people are passionate about their teams but as i've said and i always draw the analogy to golf and i know it's not like there's a local team here but i love golf i just know the interest level isn't there with the vast majority of the audience and then therefore i don't talk about it unless it's something that's going to appeal to a broad you know, like the one day when the live announcement yeah. happened with Jay Monahan. That was major sports on news. June sixth. Yeah, that 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 was bigger. That was major news, much less sports news. But otherwise, I'm not like, hey, do you see what's going on at the Cognizant Classic at the Palm Beaches today? Mm. Wow, look at Jake Knapp. He's doing it again. How about his driving distance? Nobody cares, and I know it. I'm losing my breath. I'm losing my breath. Yeah, I don't want to answer that question because I've alienated enough fan bases now. Blues checked off, and I guess city. Yeah. So if I go Battlehawks, I'm I'm really. Are you going to attack the Battlehawks? Grasping for straws and Illinois, I guess. Uh, yeah, they don't like you in the six one eight. I've noticed. Even though that's where my roots are. Yeah, you are. You're six one eight proud. Uh, your thoughts are welcome. Three one four three nine 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 six four six. Air Comfort Service text line, and then the YouTube chat is the one one ESPN YouTube channel. My name's Tim McKernan. That's Jackson Burkett. The program's called Balloon Party, and it's driven by Munganas, St. Louis Acura, and Munganas. Burkhardt, Alton, Toyota on 101 ESPN and the 101 ESPN YouTube channel.
All these crazy alien stories can't be true, can they? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. We're right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. It's balloon party. Tim McKernan, Jackson Burkett with you. Jackson, that, that that open indicates to me I'm throwing to something. No, no. Well, we're just going to talk a little Cardinals oh, and uh, okay. spring training report. All right. Brought to I heard that. I'm like, oh. Producer extraordinaire <laughs> didn't tell you <laughs> didn't tell me, but you know I'm, I'm I'm a pros pro. Yeah, a lot of people say I'm the ad lib king. Yeah, you are. That's and I'm like, you. well, now it's time to head on down to Jupiter and <laughs> see what's doing with the Redbirds, Jackson. Uh, so I have a cardinal question. Okay. So perfect opportunity for the spring training report. More a macro question than it is like hybrids at spring training. But a question I have in your experience as a Cardinal fan, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what kind of team do you most enjoy watching? A team made up of mostly younger guys with some veterans mixed in or a veteran-based club with younger contributors mixed in? Are there examples of both recently? Yeah, I got to tell you, I enjoy this question. Good question. Thank you. Um, this is a weird deal because my perspective on this team is the ceiling is, is relatively low. And so even there are even though there are some young players who I am really anxious to see how they perform in, in the case of Gorman, uh, you know, I guess now this third year, uh, second full year, and, and Jordan Walker, second full year, and Mason Wynn, second year, but really his first full year. Yep. Um, it, I, I view the team's ceiling in the regular season as being, it would be, let me put it this way, it would really surprise me if they won, like really surprise me. Like if I had to pay you out 10 to 1 if they won 92 games, you know? So it's like they're going to be, I think, right there for the Central Division, but I don't think it's necessarily going to be a great team. And on top of it, from a pitching perspective, which at the moment there is a real dearth of talent, young talent, at the major league level for the Cardinals, as in it isn't there in the rotation, it's tough to be really excited about it. Um, and so I'm excited to see Wynn Walker and Gorman, and, I'll, and I am intrigued to see if Arenado and Goldschmidt bounce back or if we have witnessed the beginning of the decline there mm-hmm. and then how that impacts decisions going forward for the organization. But... The 2004 team, for example, and I realize I'm holding up this, you know, perhaps even for those of you who were around in the 1960s, uh, would say that it's the best Cardinal team you ever saw. So I'm, you know, I recognize you're talking about a team that, that when it's all said and done, may have, what, five Hall of Famers on it? Yeah. If you're talking about Walker is already in. And Roland is already in, and Albert obviously will be in, and I think Edmonds, even though he doesn't think so, will be in, and Yachty or Molina. I don't know if I'm leaving anybody out. Tyler Russo already in the Hall of Fame. Okay, but I was so I mean you get you get the idea what I'm saying. That was a veteran team. It was a veteran team. That's a different deal than this team, which I would consider to be a veteran team. Um, 
at the same time, as weird as it would be, a, a time period in Cardinal history that a lot of people probably don't look back on fondly, but intrigued me, were the early 1990s because there was this new blood coming in after the run in the 1980s. Right. It didn't wind up working out for the most part, although guys that we saw debut at that time, such as Ray Lankford and Brian Jordan, absolutely did work out. But other guys that had super high expectations, Todd Zeal had a had a, had a, had a very good major league career, but I don't think he lived up locally to what the expectations were, and they wound up trading him away in 1995. Uh, Bernard Gilkey, U-City product, Certainly had a very good major league career, but it was fun to, you know, it kind of takes you back for blues fans to the come grow with us time. It wasn't like it led to championships, but it's like, okay, let's see these guys develop. And I kind of wish considering the Cardinals lack of talent, and the rotation, that that's what we would have seen in 2024. And again, I think had they had stability with the television deal, I think you might have seen that. And by that, I mean traded away Goldschmidt and Arnato last year if they would have been on board with it at the trade deadline. Instead, they're kind of in this hybrid mode. And and it's also in part because of the division they're in. Um, I firmly believe if they were in any other division other than the American League Central, the Cardinals would have a different approach yes. to this season because yep. it's a different operation and for the divisions in baseball. But the Cardinals happen to be in one of the two where you can kind of mess around and, and, and win the division. So, you know, my favorite Cardinal teams, and maybe it's just the way it works whenever you're a kid, you love the 2006 Cardinals because you were eight years old. And mm-hmm. I love the 82 I was kind of too young for, but I did go to my first Cardinal game and fell in love with that in 82. But 85 is the team I hold up. And I love the stolen bases and, uh, and the 87 team. So that's what I grew up with, and that's what I love. And those teams were fun to watch. Right. But maybe if I were in my 30s or 40s, then I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much as the teams from the 1960s. If that's when I was a kid, I don't know. Yeah, but there's well, that's a part of it for sure. I just, I, I just, I, I, the Cardinals are in this weird spot right now, and so therefore, in my opinion, and obviously, I've been doing this, you know, in the market for 25 years, but I've been following spring trainings going back to the 1980s. I don't really feel like there's as much anticipation in this spring training as other spring trainings. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like, okay, I mean, you already kind of know what the rotation is. You're not really all that excited about it. You kind of know what the lineup is. You know what? What there isn't really. Yeah. What, what's there, the? What are, what are the like the questions that are going to be answered in spring training? Oh, yeah. Unless somebody really emerges, and then that that listen that could absolutely happen, yeah. and it probably will happen. And then there'll probably be some people that get, come out of March, and you go, "I'm a little concerned about that person." Yeah. But one of the things, and this is this is coming from whether it be guys who played or guys who managed these teams, they don't get caught up in either success in spring training and don't get caught up in failure in spring training. And here is why a lot of the guys who know they have jobs are out there working on stuff. They couldn't care any less if they get rocked or if they're like, okay, I've got to just, I've got to work on taking the ball to the opposite field, for example. So yeah, I know I could rake here with this breaking ball that, that, you know, normally I would pull, but I'm going to focus on going to the opposite field. It's, it's, you know, like I made the comment to you, this is a golf comment, but I'm like, oh, wow, Rory McIlroy's 500 today down at the, the Cognizant Classic at Palm Beach. It's my reasoning for that is I kind of feel like all he's doing is working on getting ready for Augusta, yeah. which may sound weird that a guy would use a professional event to work on stuff. 
but it wouldn't have surprised me if he would be like, eh, I might work on things for a couple days and then I'll take Saturday and Sunday off. I don't need to make the cut to min cash. I don't care. I want to play with my daughter uh, this weekend. So that that's something that I think oftentimes people can get caught up in, in, in spring training statistics and can overrate them either for the positive or the negative. And then sometimes guys go off like Pools did in 2001 and Jordan Walker did for like the first half of spring training last year. And that's a different deal because you already knew that those guys had a really high ceiling and all that did was validated. But if it's a guy who comes out of nowhere and we've seen some of those in really recent Cardinal history, but over, you know, in baseball uh, in general, that a guy has a great spring training, then it really starts to count in late March and early April and, and they fall off. Well, that's probably because they, you know, ran into a pitcher or some pitchers who were just working on a new pitch and weren't necessarily dealing like it was the regular season. So that's, that's my cautionary tale from, uh, from spring trainings. Don't get too high with the highs, too low with the lows. That would be the counsel for it. Uh, It is uh, 10, uh, 48 in St. Louis. That's a time check brought to you by Clarkson Jewelers. We'll come back with the final segment of balloon party here on one one ESPN. Right back to the balloon party on the Tim McKernan podcast presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN. Welcome back. Tim McKernan with you to the top of the hour. Jackson Burkett issued an apology earlier in the show. And if you want to go back and listen to it personally, I didn't think it was sincere. You can do so with the Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers podcast. Jackson, we have eight minutes left. Now it's seven minutes. Make the best of it. Make it a great one today. This question is very important to me, Tim. So I assume this is on the Timberwolves. Nope. Rest in peace to the great Richard Lewis. Ah, yeah, I like this. Off the top of your head, it's a two-prong question, Tim. Off the top of your head, do you have a favorite moment with Richard Lewis on Curb Your Enthusiasm? And secondly, making it into sports, Richard Lewis, a great sidekick on uh, Curb. Who's the best sidekick in sports, both in St. Louis and nationally? <sighs> I mean, you come to mind right away. Yeah, I'm right up there. Um, I'm going to go uh, first one first. Uh, the scene in Curb Your Enthusiasm, which the gentleman Vance has taken a vow of silence. <laughs> and, you mentioned that one earlier today. And uh, Larry David uh, introduces Richard to uh, Vance, and then Vance mouths the word, <laughs> nice to meet you. And since that show uh, is basically improv with yeah. certain points of the scene to hit, uh, you can tell that Larry David's response to Richard Lewis is, What's with this guy? Is he an effing mime? (laughs) (laughs) Was genuine. And you could tell Larry David, somebody who doesn't really break, unlike like a Jimmy Fallon, for example, or me, for that matter, a giggler. uh, He was like, he had to battle to to stay in the scene and not have him do another take because he enjoyed it. And and it was just, it wasn't like the line was brilliant. It was actually a line that a lot of people probably could have come up with. But the fact that it, made Larry laugh as much as it did a guy who has been around some of the greatest comedians you know in the in the history of the game uh that resonates with me uh for me it's a great answer right there Tim for me just the situation of uh when Richard Lewis is dating a burlesque dancer oh yeah so all of his friends go nice. see her and then can comment on it's her nice. body That's and he's nice. just putting this really awkward spot I think her name was Cha-Cha that Cha-Cha yes Cha-Cha his burlesque dancing in the character development and burlesque team. dancing is something you know a, a pastime that's <laughs> not necessarily as uh 
as well received, but that is... Well, it should be. It absolutely should be, and that is a f- fantastic situation. You guys went to see Cha-Cha? <laughs> and he fi- where he finds a mole on her breast. <laughs> Just amazing. Uh, so yeah, rest in peace, Richard Lewis. Larry David put out a really good thing. In he Friday. did. That was, that I didn't realize that they were born three days apart in the same hospital. Yeah, man. Yeah, that's... Uh, How about that? Anyway, he said, like, brothers, and, you know, today you made me sob, and I'll never forgive you. I was just like, man, that's, that is yeah. both hilarious and heartbreaking at the same time, and... And the final scene, oh, I don't know. I assume Richard Lewis is on more of Curb yes. Enthusiasm's final season, but the final scene that we've seen him in was where they're on the golf course two weeks ago, and Richard Lewis is telling Larry he's leaving him in his will. That's right. Yeah, it is. That is. That and what, does and whether, and whether or not you like it or not. Yeah. And then uh, I believe Larry David said, if nominated, I will not serve. If bequeathed, I, I will not accept. I will not accept. Incredible. Yeah, with and regard to his yeah. will. Because I got money. Give it to somebody else. I don't want to deal with it. So it's, well, he just wanted to get in his will. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. He wanted just to get in his will. Oh, it's so good. That does make that uh, much more uh, somber. But, yeah, but uh, incredible work by the both of them. Best sidekicks. St. Louis like, one's kind of a tough one. Yeah, I mean, it, and it's all—it's also not necessarily an endearing term. I know, like some like jump out like I, in basketball. I know. I mean, but it, Scottie Pippen is like a, is a well-known. Yeah, like, but I mean, to call him a sidekick is like I mean, he's still. The one for me, and I realize it's a fictitious show, but it's still my favorite show in television history, is Hank Kingsley to Larry Sanders on The Larry Sanders Show. The ultimate sidekick. Which was essentially a parody of Ed McMahon and all of the comings and goings and goings and comings that went on with the Johnny Carson show and Ed McMahon and the insecurity of the sidekick and so on and so forth, portrayed by Jeffrey Tambor to uh, Gary Shandling's Larry Sanders, which is my favorite television show of all time, and I've probably watched it like five or six times in its entirety, and Jeffrey Tambor is always the one that I go back to. Ah, he's the greatest. Um, But then, uh, let me see, what do we got on uh, sidekicks? I'll go into the text inbox and see what we got. McGuire and McEwing. Mike Shannon. Yeah, I get that. I kind of like that. Yeah. I like that. I like that. Yeah, I mean, Shannon's, because he's a legend in, yeah. in and of itself, but working with Jack Buck, that's a nice play. Let me see what else we got. Adam Oates is a nice play. All right. See, these you can you can answer it without, yeah, and I think Oates would, would accept that. Yeah, try not to use it as like a pejorative. Like, to every hero, there's a sidekick, you know? Um, yeah, a lot of Adam Oates votes. I'll tell you that. Tip of the cap. Brendan Shanahan coming in. Like I mean, like like Chase would say he was kind of a sidekick to those guys uh, in the early 1990s. You yeah. know, I mean that. You know, probably both on the ice and socially, but. Uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's... The enforcer in itself is kind of a sidekick role because you're out there to protect the star. But if you see Gretzky interviews in particular, he goes out of his way to praise the work ethic of some of the guys who yeah. he you know, had protecting him throughout his career because those guys, and Hull certainly had the same thing, and Chase was one of those guys, along with Tony Twist in particular. I mean, there were others, but... Uh, I mean, you've got these guys who protect these guys that guys know they're going to pay a price if they want to come at 99 or 16. Here's the deal. So, and the weirdest deal, you were talking yesterday about the hockey culture, and I have no idea why you asked about it. Probably because of the Chase interview, yeah, I yep, guess. Yep. Um, but, and I, I bet a lot of our listeners have met these guys over the years, whether it be Chase or Twist or Cam. Mm-hmm. Cam's and great guy, one Love of my favorite Cam. people just in general, Cam Jansen, uh, Reed Lowe. 
uh, Ryan Reeves. Yeah, Revo. Um, just, I'm, I'm not trying to leave people out. Point being, it's like oftentimes the best guys are the baddest MFers on the ice. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's got to be something to that. I'd love to psychoanalyze. And Chase did this movie. I remember the the, um, the debut was at, uh, God, where was it? I think at Tivoli. Okay. Uh, like in 2016-ish. Mm-hmm. Ice Guardians. Ice Guardians. Uh, you ought to watch it. You'd enjoy it. I know it's hockey, but you'd enjoy it because it's not about like... I like it, hockey movies and hockey it's just, it, uh Dave Semenko, who's there, who's passed away. He was one of the guys who protected Gretzky in Edmonton. Um, but Chase... You know, oh, and it's so powerful. And Chase would like, I said at the, I saw him after we watched it, and I go, God, the final, and I don't want to ruin the final scene for me, because I really would recommend going to watch it. Because if you could do it all over again, you know, it, like the role. Because the thing about these guys is you don't like, when you're playing juniors, you're not like an enforcer. <laughs> you're one of the best guys yeah, totally. to get there. And then the role becomes enforcer. Now, obviously, that role isn't around anymore. So it kind of, you got to have a habit and certain makeup to be selfless and yeah, then take right, that totally. role on. And so right. the, that carries on off the ice. So I think that's what the, the, the logic is behind it. All right, it's 11 o'clock. we got to go. BK and Ferrari are up next for Action Jackson. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been Balloon Party on 101 ESPN. You've been listening to the Balloon Party on the Tim McKernan Podcast. Presented by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers on 101 ESPN.